0: We'll be streaming live soon.
3: Good morning. This is Rick Bonfiel Ministries, and this is 9 o'clock on on Wednesday, on Thursday. We're headed to Atlanta today. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that are broadcasting with us, I want you to get the word out that we have postponed rekindle of the Flame from September 23rd, 26th at Mount Bethel, uh, United Methodist Church. We decided that uh, due to, to several uh, uh, circumstances in uh, having to do with our personnel and our praise teams, we are uh, uh, not only calling it off for September, but uh, scheduling in the coming future. Those of you who paid... For registration, you get a money a check back uh, as fast as we can process them to pay you back the money you put into rekindle the flame uh, uh, registration registrations. Yeah. This morning we have John Jonathan Dunn to share with us, and John is a blessing to us. He's going to teach. He's married to uh, to Tara, and he has uh, three children. Liana is mm-hmm. the little girl, and then he have Jace and ellis and both of them are precious very precious and uh we're looking forward to john's word this morning as he shares with you this song says my father the father's house amen amen Uh,
4: sometimes on this journey Sometimes on this journey I get lost in my mistakes What looks to me like weakness Is a canvas for your strength
1: My story
4: isn't over
1: My story's just
4: begun Failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does yeah. Failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does
2: Ooh, lay your burdens down Ooh, here in the father's house Check your shame at the door
3: Cause it ain't welcome
2: anymore Ooh,
3: you're in
2: the father's house
4: Not the end game The journey's where you are You never, never Wanted perfect You just wanted my father. heart
3: if And the story, story Isn't over If the, if the story, story isn't
2: true, good
3: Failure's never, never final
2: Cause that's what my Father you Failure's never, never final When the Father's in the room
1: Lay your burdens down, ooh, here in the
2: Father's house. Check your shame at the door, cause it ain't welcome anymore,
1: ooh, here in the Father's house.
4: Miracles come home. The helpless find hope. Love is on the move when the father's in the room. Prison doors fling wide. come to life.
2: Love is on the move when the father's in the room. Miracles, miracles take place. The cynical fine faith Love is breaking through When the Father's in the room And Jericho walls are quaking Strongholds now are breaking Love is breaking through When the Father's in the room Love is breaking through When the Father's in the room room. Oh, it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, Here in the Father's
1: house
3: Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank God that you are dealing with us, Lord. And uh, failure is never final when the Father's in the room. And this morning, God, we... We, we, we hang on to that principle that failure is never final when the father is in the room. And God, I thank you that, he, that uh, if we are prodigals, we come home and find hope. Mm-hmm. Because there love is. is in the move when the father is in the room. Prison doors fling wide, the dead come to life. Love is on the move when the father is in the room. We thank you, God, for this morning. We ask you, Lord, to bless my brother as he comes to share the word this morning. Jonathan Dunn, a blessing to RBM.
4: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Well, it's a joy to be here with all my friends and colleagues this morning as we work for the Lord together uh, all over the country, all over the world, in Brazil. And we know that many of you are listening, especially uh, Korea and by the way, Pastor Kyung Kim, who you heard yesterday, informed me that he, has, uh, he actually has a series, a full series that he wants to do in Korean. And we've been talking with him about the idea of uh, doing some teachings in Korean because we know that many are watching there and, and maybe you can get his messages somehow over the border, you know. But uh, anyway, so look out for that as Pastor Kyung is preparing a series in Korean and other parts of the world, we know you're listening, you know, especially in Brazil, especially in Peru, especially, you know, in uh, uh, those of you who are able to access us in Cuba, perhaps, um, India, um, the Philippines, China, all over the world, we know that you're listening to us. And I want you to know that this morning's word, which comes out of the Gospel of John, It's John chapter 19, verses 13, 14, and 15 are the three verses that we're going to be dealing with today. And if you remember, we're in the scene where Jesus is with Pilate. And so Pilate, as Pastor Rick was teaching, was having a a real struggle going in and out uh, of, you know, talking to his wife, dealing with this, dealing with that, trying to figure out what he thinks of Jesus and what he wants to do with Jesus. And finally, you know, Pilate comes to a decision where he doesn't think that Jesus is, is an enemy of the state, you know, because... Uh, uh, and so he's trying to let Jesus go. He sees no reason, okay? But the people are putting the pressure on him. So finally, in verses 13, 14, and 15, we see the culmination of the trial here. So, in verse 13 it says, "...when Pilate therefore heard that saying," meaning um, the, the saying previous where they said uh, to to uh, Pilate, the Jews said to Jesus, "...if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend." In other words, now, they, now Pilate is put in a position of they're saying that we're going to come against you politically." Your life is on the line. Your life, Pilate, is on the line. If you let him go, we're we're gonna we're gonna come after you. We'll make sure you pay. So so, uh, Pilate, after he heard this saying, he brought Jesus forth. Okay. So uh, so it brought him out of the judgment hall to stand outside. Okay. So if you remember, Pilate was having conversations with Jesus. And that was inside, so the people could not see Jesus at this time, but they knew he was in there. So then then Pilate brings Jesus out. So there's a movement there that we need to see that the people are standing there, and now they're looking at the face of Jesus. After he's been beaten, after he had the crown of thorns, they're looking at a beaten, broken man. Okay? And so Pilate sits down in the judgment seat, in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew Gabbatha. Okay, so this was where Pilate would. He had two places in Jerusalem. Okay, one was over towards the eastern gate, and one was at the at, at, at Herod's palace, the Praetorium. And so uh, it, he would sit, and this is where he would pronounce judgments to the people. And so now comes a time when. Pilate finally decided what he's going to do, and so he sits down ready to to give his uh, his conclusion. Uh, so then John gives a reference to time here, and it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour. Okay, it was actually a Wednesday instead of Friday, as opposed to as supposed by most. And about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, "Behold, your king." Well, that's a really interesting statement by Pilate there because he proclaims Jesus to the Jewish nation that here is your king. Now, Pilate just had a conversation with Jesus about whether or not he was a king. And we heard that. We heard that conversation there. And Jesus makes no bones about it. He says in John 18, verses 36 and 37, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, close that door for me. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Okay, so, so Pilate wants to be clear. Okay, you're saying that you have a kingdom. So, are you a king? What? You know, <laughs> give me some. <laughs> so, Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. In other words, so Jesus makes it clear. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a king. I'm not a king of this world. So I'm not a threat to Caesar necessarily. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And so Jesus says, yeah, I'm a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. It's a different kingdom. So Pilate finally comes to a place where he believes that Jesus is not a threat to Rome, so he wants to let him go, but to save his own skin, he, he doesn't. And so, But he presents to the Jews, here's your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them shall I crucify your king? So Pilate now well then they say the chief priests answered we have no king but Caesar. Well there's a couple things going on here okay so just a little just some biblical historical stuff okay and then we'll get into some meat and try to punch it home okay is uh John is doing something here there was a temptation uh, after the crucifixion of Jesus, after his death, those who didn't want to believe, to brand Jesus as a Roman rebel. Okay, Jesus was a Roman rebel, and that's why he was crucified. Well, John is making it clear here, no. Jesus was not some, you know, political casualty of Rome. Actually, the Roman governor of that time and in that, place in Jerusalem at the time, tried to to let him go. Did not see any reason whatsoever to crucify him. Okay, so John is making the point here, he's driving home the point that what happened to Jesus is spiritual. And actually, it is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He is not a casualty of Roman political games. In other words, God is in control. And what happened to Jesus was prophesied in Scripture. We know that Scripture very well. Um, it's, uh, well, there's a couple of them, actually. Uh, one of them is in uh, Psalm 118, 22 to 24. So let's look at that real quick. I printed out most of the, uh, most of the verses so I wouldn't have to flip too much. Uh, I, I didn't print this one out previously, so let's just do a little Bible flipping sword drill thing. We'll go to Psalm 118, 22, and 24. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing; it is marvelous in our li- in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made; we re- we will rejoice and be glad in it. Okay. So the chief cornerstone, Jesus, was rejected. Peter quotes this passage in his one of his epistles. I can't remember if it's First or Second Peter. But Peter quotes this, First, First Peter, Matt says, where he says, this is what the Jews did. They rejected the chief quarterstone, the Savior. And then also there's that passage in, um, uh, I believe it's Isaiah 53, the famous Isaiah passage where it says that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Um, huh? It's in John? I thought it was here for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground he has no form or comeliness and when when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him he is despised and rejected of men you know a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we we hid as if our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not okay so but the, the, the phrasing that I just said was as in John chapter 1. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him because the, 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 the darkness loved the darkness, right? The darkness didn't want to have anything to do with the light. Thank you for clarifying my mind there. But the Isaiah 53 passage uh, is the point I want to make because that's just two Old Testament references to the fact that the Jews would reject the Savior. Okay? It was prophesied. Long before that, the, the Jews would reject the Savior, and so that's very important for John to uh, make that point um, that God is in control of what's happening here, not Rome. Secondly, there's a, a great, a great bit of irony going on here, okay? Because um, if you remember in First Samuel um, chapter eight, verse five, let's flip there real quick and just look at that. Um, First Samuel eight verse five. The the Hebrew nation had come into the promised land and they've gone through a period of of years with judges, and uh, and so the judges, Samuel, was the greatest judge of of that time period. But then the people began to resist Samuel and his authority, and so the people said, um, "Behold, you are old. <laughs> I mean, poor Samuel." Anyway. And your sons walk not in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all nations. So Israel wanted to become a sovereign nation with a king. They requested that. They actually demanded that. And then, and then the Lord said to Samuel, um, he, he calmed Samuel down because Samuel was angry and said, um, you know, don't worry. In verse 7, they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. In other words... The people did not want the rule and reign of God the Father. They wanted to be like the other nations, a sovereign nation. So the irony is this. The true king is finally in front of them. And the king that was requested in 1 in, in, in Samuel, the true king is finally in front of them. And now they say, oh, never mind, we'll take Caesar instead. <laughs> They want to be a sovereign nation like all the other nations. That so they said, "Nah, we'll just uh, we'll just assimilate with Rome. It's okay." <laughs> it's weird. I mean, there's a there's a ton of irony there. Um, now, Daniel chapter seven, verses thirteen and fourteen. It's a powerful statement where it's referring to Jesus as the Son of Man, and it clearly states that. So Old Testament testifies to Jesus as the true eternal king. And when it finally came, Jesus inaugurated the kingdom, saying the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. When it finally came time to repent and believe and receive this great king that they wanted so desperately, he didn't look like what they wanted him to look like. And so they rejected him and said we'll take caesar instead well before we run away with condemnation towards the jews i want to suggest that we examine ourselves examine just critically not condemning examine ourselves because many in many ways uh Jesus is maybe not the Jesus we thought he would be either. Maybe we wanted a Savior that made it a little easier on us. <laughs> you know? Maybe we wanted a wanted a Jesus who would not convict us so powerfully and require us to change so much, right? Uh, however, Jesus is who he is, and he is king whether we accept him as king or not. And that is the next point that I want to make is Jesus' status as a king is not dependent on our opinion on the matter. Jesus is king. That is a truth based on Scripture. And we don't have to agree with it or disagree with it. He is not more king if we say yes, and he's not less king if we say no. He is simply a king. He is sovereign. He is ruler of all. But you see, the idea of a king is sometimes strange to us who live in a democratic society. Um, my friend and I, Betty, were talking about this yesterday, that the, the idea of a monarchy, an absolute power, is a little bit foreign to us. you know, And it can be a little bit scary, but honestly that's because we have never experienced on this earth a perfect monarchy, a perfect authoritative kingship. It's always broken, right? Brokenness. And, and e- inevitably, when... Uh, that much power is given to a broken human being. It begins to be abused, and you forget about the people who are in your kingdom. But see, we serve a king who is perfect in all his ways, sinless, and is wanting and ready to empower us to live the life that he's called us to, not to just sit in his glory and say, yes, everybody, just tell me how awesome I am. No, Jesus is one who is constantly wanting to serve and bless and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the key, we have to surrender to His authority. And the moment you surrender to Jesus and His authority and say, Jesus, whatever the Bible says about you, I believe it, then power is available through the Holy Spirit to overcome. But see, here's the trick. Many times we surrender to Jesus in a few areas of our our lives, but then... There's this area over here, this area over here that, you know, we don't want to give absolute power to Jesus. We'll just give 90% power, <laughs> right? But we don't want to give power to everything. Um, so let me just name a couple, okay? And I, I wrote down some things. This is not... All of them, but here are some things that we may struggle with letting Jesus be the king of, okay? Jesus, the king of our salvation. There's one way to the Father. Only one, and it's Jesus. No one comes to the Father except by me. There's a lot of people that hate that verse and want to try to access God by some other way. Jesus says, no, you can't do it. It's in Scripture. It's only through me. Salvation is not of yourselves. He, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Titus three five. Jesus is king of our salvation. We have to surrender and submit to His kingship. His lordship is the only one who can save us from our sins. Here's another one. Jesus, the king of of your thoughts. Paul says in Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He says also in Romans 12, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know the will of God. In other words, how are we going to have thoughts in our minds that are noble and right and pure and lovely if we are filling our minds with things that are not of God. you say, Oh, yeah, yeah, my, you know, uh, my thoughts belong to God. Well, are you filling your mind with uh, images, right, and voices and things that are not of God? Uh, Pastor Kyung was talking about video games yesterday. That's just one of them. TV shows, man, all kind. I mean, uh, the media is trying to desensitize ourselves from all kinds of things, violence and sexuality and language, to make us feel like things that you know are just okay, and we just begin to tolerate it. And it takes a lot of resistance in our culture to say, no, I can't tolerate that. I can't have that in my mind because my, belong, my mind belongs to Jesus, and, and I have the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of me, and if, and if, and if that movie is in my mind it's going to be competing with the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to grieve the Holy Spirit. and I can't hear right. And that's not to say that, that confession and forgiveness is not available. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying we have to make decisions. So Jesus has to be the king of our thoughts. Jesus the king of your mouth. Paul says in Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech be always uh, with grace. Let your speech be always with grace, not to say not to say we don't say truth when we have to, because by the Holy Spirit we have to say truth when the time comes. But let your, let your speech be seasoned with grace, so we could be full of grace and truth at the same time. Seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. What about Jesus, the King of your money? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy. Store it for yourselves treasures in heaven. Matthew six nineteen through 21 Jesus, the king of your identity. Jesus, the king of your time. We could go on and on, couldn't we? But here's the last one I want to say. You know, Jesus, the king of your power. What power do you have to live the Christian life? You see, Paul said that we are not citizens of this earth, but we are citizens of heaven. So Jesus knew that our citizenship, while in heaven, we would be in this earth, and if that was the case, we would need a heavenly power to live in an earth that does not honor God. Let me say that again. Okay, Our citizenship is in heaven, meaning that's where we belong. We belong to King Jesus in heaven, and our citizenship is in heaven. But He knows that we have a life that we have to live here on earth. And so if we're here on earth but our citizenship is there, then we need power to live the life that He called us to. And only He is able to give it through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin, to say what needs to be said in the right time, to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be used to minister to the needs of others who are hurting or broken this world and preach the kingdom of God. It has to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. It can't be by your own power. It can't be just uh, you know, self-help and positive thinking. It cannot be self-help and positive thinking. It won't get you anywhere in the kingdom of God. Because that's all worldly stuff. That's human wisdom. It has to be the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why Paul, man, we are just broken record around here, but that's why Paul talks about the nine gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. If you don't know how to prophesy to the needs of somebody in front of you who is desperate and hurting, then it's going to be hard to really have fruits in the kingdom. So you've got to be open to the power of the Holy Spirit. That is our heavenly power, and it only comes when we surrender to the sovereign power of Jesus and say, okay, God, I surrender to your power because I have no power to live the life you've called me to. Please, God, give me strength to overcome. Be the king of everything in my life, Lord Jesus. Those things that I've just kind of held on, held back from you and 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 haven't quite given to you yet, Lord, I, I don't want to do that anymore, God, because it's hurting me. It's, it's, it's disabling me from totally fulfilling my call and reaching my full potential in the kingdom. Forgive me, God. Show me where I need to surrender now. And He'll do it. out mercy and grace, and He'll come with the power of the Holy Spirit. So let us not be like those who rejected the King, who said, no, we'll take another King, We'll take another king this time. It's okay, Jesus. Thank you anyway. Let's surrender to the true King of heaven and He will come in like a rushing mighty wind and empower you with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Be encouraged today that you have a king who loves you in heaven, who calls you by name, and is right there standing at the door ready to walk in the room. Thank you, Jesus. Amen
3: this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness, it's a canvas for your strength. My story isn't over. My story just begun. Failure won't define me, because that's what my father does. Failure won't define me, because that's what my father does. invite John to sing this song as we close this morning broadcast to you. This is Rick Bonfair Ministries in Athens, Georgia. There's 101 countries tuned to us this morning listening to this word.
1: Sometimes on this journey
4: I get lost in my mistakes What looks to me like weakness Is a canvas for your strength My story isn't over,
2: my story's just just
4: begun
3: Failure
2: won't define me, cause that's what my father does Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does
1: Ooh, lay your burdens down Ooh,
2: here in the father's house Check your shame out at the, the door, door? Cause it ain't welcome anymore
3: Ooh, you're in
2: the Father's house The Lord bless you,
3: the Lord keep you today The Lord strengthen you today uh, And stay with us until 12 o'clock, amen <laughs>
2: Foi em mim o aroma de Jesus. Viriu dos vales, cresce em beleza, força e luz. Queima a impureza
1: do meu ser